Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Il Padilla Carrillo, Bill Duke, written by Jim and John Thomas, maybe possibly also by Shane Black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And directed by John McTiernan. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time for uh, to continue on with our Hasta la Vista uh, casco that we started last week with The Running Man and looking at also from 1987, Predator. This came out, I believe, in July and uh, Running Man came out like that November. And he got married. What a year for Arnold Schwarzenegger. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, pretty good year. So, yeah, we're from 1987, Predator, uh, the eponymous uh, creature. We're going to talk a lot about him, the creation, kind of where this, where he fits in the pantheon of great science fiction, horror monsters. Uh, but before we do, let's go ahead and have some more of this Breckenridge uh, bourbon whiskey. You know, we opened this one up last week. There you go. Thank you. Excellent. Cheers to you. Cheers. Jesse. Cheers. Here we go. Mm-hmm. This stuff will turn you into goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Jesse the body. <laughs> Literally. That's funny. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and get started and get to our flight question. Another score by Alan Silvestri, hot off the tail of Back to the Future here. <laughs> we tend to find people that we like and keep using them. We I don't mean we, I mean the directors, production companies. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And they keep showing up in the same cast. It's kind of hilarious, actually. Yeah. So talking about the Predator, obviously the crossover that comes to mind is Alien versus Predator, both 20th Century Fox properties, both purchased by Dark Horse Comics, and then that's how they started that whole thing into video games and films and all that. But he's crossed over, I think, with... The, there's a Batman versus Predator 2, like, comic. It's not very good, but you can kind of see the natural inclination to pit the world's greatest detective against the world's greatest hunter. Yeah. So my question to you is, what other three film characters would you like to see go up against the Predator? I wonder if we're going to have a few of the same ones here. Let's see. I'm going to go with my third selection first. Okay. I'm going to go three, three, two, two, one, one. Yeah. King Kong. Hmm. I want to see the Predator take on King Kong. Oh, that'd be interesting. I think the size of Kong gives a formidable opposition to an excellent hunter. I want to see like Marion C. Cooper King Kong, like because he's still like big, but like not like out of control. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'd start. Now the Predator with the technology and such clearly has an advantage over most earthbound entities. But the size of Kong and the ability to maybe weather the storm of the laser-sighted Iron Man-like shoulder guns and everything else that he has might give Kong a fighting chance. And then the thing that really kind of intrigued me about this is, we'll get to this later, and I'm sure when you break down the show, the one way that the Predator is beatable is through the environment being used against him. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, Kong is an embodiment of the environment. And if you want to get to the crushing nature of Dutch and the Predator and the way that show ends, then I think Kong certainly has the ability to stomp on him if he can see him or pound him. Yeah. So that's my third choice. Interesting. That's that's pretty cool. Mine, uh, Uma Thurman, the bride from Kill Bill. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Very uh, expertly can handle herself with Hantori Hanzo's blade. And we saw her make mincemeat of the crazy 88. But I think that would be a formidable opponent. And, you know, she has to go up against, like, a squad of her own. But I tried to find, like, like like-minded fighters and those that have to fight not only with brawn but with their wits. And she definitely fit that criteria for me. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Kind of taking on the samurai element. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, excellent. Number two for me, Mm -hmm. RoboCop. I bet we have. I'm the surprised same right here. that hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether in a video game or a, well, RoboCop did fight Terminator in a comic book in a video game. Okay. Yeah. So, but I not know not, not Predator. Who won? But it's it's a bullshit story. Never mind. <laughs> There's like no, like the Predator, like the Terminator comes back to the future to stop some like Omni consumer like thing, and RoboCop gets involved. It's it's not good. It's not a good story. RoboCop has the armor that the Predator does. It has a like or similar artillery of technology to use at his disposal clearly the sighting and the vision capabilities are equal speed might be the difference here yep. mm-hmm. and dexterity yeah so that might be where the robocop runs into a bit of an obstacle but i think it's a formidable matchup you know this is the best conversation because this is we're to- in the, the fanboy geekville right now though, this is we? like the playground conversation oh, like yeah. as a kid and as an adolescent in elementary school and middle school, these are the conversations you would have with your friends. Like, who do you think could take on Predator like yeah. in a fist fight? It's this. It is. <laughs> I love it. Now I'm going to go brawn for brawn and just kind of brute strength. I'm going Jason Voorhees at number two. Yeah. A guy who's probably indestructible. He has the power of immortality. He can be brought back from the dead and be zombified. But yeah, looking at, the Predator is, we'll talk about the size. Of, we'll talk about the design of the Predator. We seem to always have to talk about the uh, autonomy of, of these aliens when we talk about them. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that always sticks out to me is his size, 7'2". Jason's another very tall, imposing, so you're kind of looking at opposites or, or um, like-minded uh, uh, physical specimens there. So that's, that's who I want to see. Yeah, and he just one. needs the machete, and he just, he just, but he's also creative too. Like Jason's creative in his skills. <laughs> you've seen, you've seen every single Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah, multiple times. Okay, so I'm going to ask you because I couldn't do this cold, so I'll just ask you cold. Okay. In those films, who gives it to Jason the best as far as opposition? Like, who is his most formidable opponent? It's Tommy Jarvis. In and three? It starts in four, and that's Corey Feldman, young Tommy Jarvis. Okay. And then that continues on the next two films. Uh, but, yeah, he's always the one that's given him the most kind of like. Four, five, and six. Well, he kills him in four, and then he's dead, dead, and then he's brought back to life by lightning in six. Of course it's lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always lightning. Mm-hmm. All right, number one. The T-1000? I bet we have the same one here, don't we? No, we don't. Okay, good. I don't know. I mean, I think the nature of the Terminator and its liquid state present Mm -hmm. everything that this Predator wouldn't be able to take arms against. Yeah, Can't shoot him because it's going to go right through the liquid form. Mm -hmm. 
probably not going to freeze him. Yeah. Not going to melt him. The vision, I guess, works, but it doesn't. And then the Terminator can make himself into whatever protruding, oh, you piercing. Said, so the Robert Patrick yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not, not Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Is that not T-1000? No, that's T-800. No, yeah, you're right. T-1000. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. That's what I want to see. I think that... I, I kind of like the T-1000 in that matchup, to be honest with you. Yeah. The only reason that that Terminator is defeated in T-2 is heat. Yep. And I don't think the Predator can generate enough molten heat yeah, to melt him. that's fair. So that's my... I think that's not even close, to be honest with you, Jesse. Yeah. I think that's a boat race. That's pretty good. All right, let's hear what you got for I wonder if the t- is the T-1000 going to make your nightcap conversation as well? <laughs> um, mm, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Excellent. Number one for me, I'm actually cheating a bit because I'm going with four people, but they work as a unit, <laughs> as a team. But it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, that's good. But what would be good about that is just because of each one of them brings their own strength and weakness, and as a unit, they could kind of team up together to take him down. It would be a lot more strategy and less brawn, I think, um, based on their their fighting styles and techniques. So, I'm But it su- does seem to work in this film. They do make the case for that. Exactly. I'm surprised that crossover hasn't happened either. It, it's surprising what you'll find in like comic book crossovers. There's some crazy shit out there. That picture you posted on Instagram this week of the new iteration of the Predator. Well, let's talk about that because that's a perfect segue into talking about the episode. So Dark Horse is doing a cool thing right now. That's they're it's called 20th Century Fox Uncovered. And what they're doing is they're making comic book based adaptations of unproduced screenplays. So I already have the Alien 3 one. So that's the pre-David Fincher draft on like one of the billion alien three drafts and they'd adapt it into comic books and it's pretty sweet it keeps most of ripley newt hicks and bishop keeps them in the fold instead of killing them off in the opening scene but they're doing that with predator so jim is and it jo- all under dark horse you said dark, is this horse, dark yeah, horse yeah 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 and uh so jim and john thomas's original screenplay for this was called hunter and it was a more of a reptilian type of creatures so they're taking that basic concept and they adapt it into comic i can't wait to buy the whole you can get the individual issues right now but i want the whole collected thing i think that's coming out later this like november it might yeah don't quote me on this i might have to delve back into dark horse i think it might have been maybe witchblade might have been the last mm. dark horse title that i read sort of religiously if that's a dark horse title mm. um hmm and they're doing that again. What like, a great idea. Yeah, though, like, yeah, because there's, think about it. We did a whole bunch of episodes on the best movies never made. Why not yeah. take those ideas and put it into some visual form for us to look at? You already have a story to adapt. Just put it into comic form. The next one they're doing, and I think it's also coming up for Christmas. I already have it pre-ordered on Amazon. It's the Alien, the original screenplay. So this is Dan O'Bannon's first draft when it was called Star Beast. So this is pre, I think, Shusette's involvement. Mm. So pre-gestating Alien and it was like a totally different animal at that point. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to check that out. I love your choices. Yours too. When we, when I posed that question to that's you, a terrible yeah, question. yeah, let's do it better. I was like, man, that's like totally a conversation you'd have on the playground, and you'd like get into arguments with your friends. Like, you know, he would kick his ass. Like, he would he would win in that fight. He's just faster. He's, He'd never catch him. Yeah, you can't kill the predator. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. All right, so let's get to let's get to what we're here for in our review breakdown of Predator. Dylan! <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? 
Had enough? Make it easy on yourself, Dutch. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You never did know when to quit, huh? Damn good to see you, Dutch. What is this fucking tie business? Oh, come on, forget about my tie. <laughs> this fucking tie business. Excellent. Predator opens up very thing-like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we open up in space as we get this. And this is what I like about Predator, and something that's just been ruined by the sequels for me is the over-explanation of, and Alien, the over-explanation of the origins and where this thing comes from in the, the hierarchy. But in this film, you just get this ship, it passes by Earth, you get a little kind of probe that shoots off into Earth, and then we cut to Earth, like this thing's just dropping the guy off to hunt. That was, okay, so when this film first came out, and I was lucky enough to see it in the theaters. Ooh, lucky. That was a discussion that we had a lot, was why is this thing here on Earth hunting humans Mm -hmm. i think the answer the movie's going to give you is just sport yeah and i think that's pretty clear when he's looking at the trophies which are the skeletons Mm -hmm. the skulls Mm -hmm. of those that he's killed Yeah, he doesn't want the bodies he's just stroking the brow of Mm -hmm. that one just admiring his work and i think sport might be enough Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be some great big takeover it's just Battle of the species and may the best man win. And I'm usually better, so I'm going to go like hunting. Like, look at the name of the film. You said originally it was called The Hunter. Yeah. Or Hunter. Hunter. The Predator. Yeah. It's just about the sport of hunting. Mm-hmm. And so, before we get too far into this, this movie for you and I, I think, hits a place that we both really like, which is that idea of well equipped hunter versus poorly equipped prey. Mm hmm whether that's the most dangerous game or the many iterations we've talked about of like how Marvel could adapt Craven or even last week, even last week, not running man. So here we go. Uh, It's a great start. And much like the alien franchise and Ridley Scott screwing it up with saying the engineers were mad at mankind (laughs) for murdering Jesus. Oh, that's so stupid. (laughs) We'll have to do Prometheus because that'd be a different, like we will have very different takes on that film. Yeah. But, Neither one of us could agree that that's a reasonable explanation. Yeah. That's absurd. That's absurd, yeah. Absurd. Yeah. Um, the only thing worse is the the, the the writers of Endgame just coming over the different uh, time travel excuse. Exactly. <laughs> Every time they're asked a question. So, nope. yeah, there's enough there to where if you just want to be entertained and let that fester or grow in your mind with the little bit they give you it's enough when you do the over explanation on let's be frank about this Mm -hmm. and most science fiction fits in this a pretty preposterous concept yeah it wildly entertaining Mm -hmm. but like no version of reality based yeah and thank god i that's called my life yeah (laughs) who the hell wants that in science no i love i love how simple the opening is right it it totally this thing just showed up yeah it just sets the stage and so then we're introduced to the rest of the Duchess special. I don't even know what branch of the military there are. They're like their own <laughs> unit, it seems like. Yeah, mercenary, black ops, something. Yeah, black ops unit. Yeah, Duchess unit. And yeah, we get, they're just kind of a wide assortment of characters. You have Poncho and Hawkins, who's Shane Black, who's maybe just there to touch up the screenplay. He looks, he doesn't fit this kind of group. No. <laughs> He's not as muscly as the rest. You have Billy, uh, yeah, Jesse Ventura, Blaine, Bill Duke, Mac. Mac. And then yeah, Dutch uh, Schaefer, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Always like how he's the last one off, and he's just like, I gotta puff up this cigar before I get off this thing. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, and then off to, and then another great thing I've always liked about this film, it, it, it just gets in and explains what the, what, what's going to happen. And then we're off to the races. So within like five minutes, we get that, the reunion with Dylan, who Dutch and Dylan have obviously had some type of past work experience together. He, Dylan's brought him in to come help him out with the problem, which is they got this helicopter down in this insurgent area, Russian maybe, <laughs> that we find out later. And we we learn like my team doesn't do this, but but you're the best. That's why I called you in. And so okay, yeah, we'll we'll help you out this time. And then we're off to it. We're in the jungle. We're ready to ready to roll. Because at the end of the day, as we discussed, we paused and we we're kind of like, now who are these guys and what were they trying to do in their gun running or there's some some type of big like communist insurrection yeah. in a, like Vietnam and South America mm. community. I don't. It doesn't matter. Something big's about to go down, but. Again, another thing I like about the film, it like you said it best, like what a MacGuffin, because like the film like totally like diverts from any idea of this, because that's not what the film's about. The film's called Predator. So, I would like to talk about that for a minute. Okay, I've always admired the idea of the MacGuffin, mm -hmm. and it can be done really well or really poorly. Ex explain to the listener the right because we've talked about it before, but not in a while. So. It's a false lead to make the audience think the film is about something other than what it is, which then is a very great technique to use in thrillers because you have the audience wandering one way. So you set up an item or some subtext through a sequence of events that takes the audience down path A. Can can I give you an example? Of, Please. Of, it's probably the best one. And it's, yeah, sure. It's the money psycho. in Psycho. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. that, that movie is 30 minutes about the theft of this $40,000. And that has nothing to do with the film. Okay, so you might say, that's weird. What a waste of my time. Okay, maybe. Here's why it's not a waste of your time. If in the introduction of the <clears throat> MacGuffin, we get to know the main characters mm -hmm. and what the skill set they're bringing to the film, usually as protagonist is, then you create bridges with them and you're able to develop relationships with those characters. Now, in this film, we're going to get that. So it's this put down this communist insurrection or whatever that is. And I'm sure we could figure it out if we really listened to the dialogue, but who cares? I'm sure we could figure it out. You know, I mean, like go back and listen to it, it again. Really, but it, I, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. The big point in this is mm -hmm. we see how capable they are with the technology against a lesser version of an opposition, mm -hmm. which is also going to be the trope that the predator uses against Dutch and his men. Mm -hmm. So they show up and attack this third world uh, hopscotch ping pong militaristic establishment and just blow it to smithereens. And here's what is revealed. Our technology is better. We're better equipped as predators. Mm -hmm. They're unwitting prey and completely outmatched, outthought, outgunned, out technologied, and they lay waste to this village. And what I've always admired about this is I hope that's enough on the MacGuffin. Yeah. What I've always admired about this first 30 minutes, and we stopped it because it is the 30-minute mark when this ends, mm -hmm. is how much time and effort goes into making the raid on that little village of quality production. Oh, it's explosive. The explosions are great. I mean, it's probably not the greatest siege strategically because if there were any 
American POWs there, they are ash because they literally turn the entire village into a fiery inferno of gunfire. But nonetheless, I think they'd yeah go in a little more stealthy, but yeah, no, they go in guns blazing, but they set that up and, and deliver it production wise really well. Right. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And every, each one of the, 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 the special forces, they all have like their poncho has the grenade launcher and Blaine Jesse Ventura has old painless, this Gatling gun. He doesn't and have time to bleed. He does. Yeah. And, and, but the Gatling gun just like, it just shreds the forest. Like, Oh yeah. I don't think it was as graphic as it would be, but man, I think those guys getting hit by that. I think they would just be body parts on the floor. Like it'd be gruesome. Right. So they're all to have their own kind of expert. Shane Black is like the radar guy. <laughs> Billy's the mystic of the group, yeah, like the strategist and the map mis- mystic guy. I think he's so important in this. Real film. quick, but we'll talk about him because we let's jump back to the scene where he finds the skinned bodies. Yeah, but the thing I like most about the MacGuffin is it kind of lets you let your guard down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're putting all your focus and like mental energy into thinking about where's this going to go, what are they doing here, what are they doing there, and then when the other element shows up, whether that be a Norman Bates or B the predator, you're just kind of, Whoa, like you're kind of taken for, for a surprise there, especially in this film when the predator does show up. And I think probably 25 minutes in, you've forgotten all about that opening 30 seconds, which is the spaceship and the probe mm -hmm. that launched to earth. Yeah. This isn't a science fiction film. This is a military. Yeah. This is commando part two. Right. What it is. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about Billy because prior to this, they land in the jungle all very, yeah. Very like, kind of like, yeah. Listen to long, tall Sally, RIP little Richard. And to that. Yeah. To that. I like that song. I even like the Beatles rendition of that song too. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they jump in here and they're kind of Clapton. Oh yeah. That's lay down Sally. I like, I like that song too. Me too. <laughs> Tara Clapton. Tara Clapton. Yeah. That's good stuff. So they're kind of just exploring here and they, they come across the, the, the bodies of, of Dylan's men and they've all been just like skinned, hung upside down. Very, like you said, for sport dressed out. Yeah. Like elk mm-hmm. or deer. Well, I was and I was curious too why the predator didn't take these skulls because they still look intact. Um, yeah, I don't know what the reasoning for that is, but yeah, very, Billy Sonny Landham is very the Native American of the group, very mystic and believes in the elements and this. So he's like the tracker and is able to track this, but he's like really. Oh, we made a joke too. I was like, man, I wonder, because he like cuts a vine and then like, man, I, I wonder what root root. Fested water. water would taste like probably yeah. terrible. <laughs> probably terrible. Yeah, it'd probably give me the shits like crazy. Yeah. But he's the way he kind of commands the scene is is very important. And I like it later in the film when he's like he appears to be, other than the girl, Anna, to be the most spooked by what's out there. The unseen yeah. predator. Mm-hmm. And the choice of using that particular character to play that out is really, really smart. One in commune with nature, in touch with the spiritual side of what this raid and attack should look like, respectful of the environment, comfortable in the surroundings, and capable of dealing with them as they show up. It's hard to know right now if I'm talking about Billy or I'm talking about the Predator. And the other thing, too, that I think is really important Before the commando troops go in to raid that little village, they're all equipped in camouflage. And that 
it's been, you know, a few years since I've seen this film, I think maybe a year and a half or two. Mm -hmm. What really stuck out to me in this film is the way Dutch and his crew equip themselves for the raid on that village is the B minus version of what the predator is going to do to the letter Mm -hmm. beat for beat when he sets about hunting or killing Dutch and his men. Better guns, better camouflage, oh, yeah. more familiar with the environment, better technology. You can't really tell if I'm talking about Dutch versus the communist insurrection yeah. or whatever that is, mm-hmm. or if I'm talking about the predator versus Dutch's men. Yeah, Billy's important because one of the things that I think he provides in this movie is not just another guy with huge biceps and large, large, heavy artillery, mm-hmm. but that spiritual element. Yeah. And that's why you brought it up, I think, so well. It's important for him to be the most spooked because he realizes right on, like, hey, you know what? Our guns aren't going to do dick against this Mm -hmm. thing. We are way, way out of our league. Exactly. So does he meet? Yeah, we'll get to his death in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah. Are you going to say, does he meet a justly death? (laughs) Yeah, but we, let's let's save it. We'll save up to that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, excellent. So after this raid, they're kind of fishing through the stuff and it's, it looks like it was just a kind of a cover up for this other operation that like Dylan had going on behind his back. We got him. I think this is what you're looking for. You sells out! It's all bullshit. All of it. The cabinet minister, the whole business. Got us in here to do your dirty work. Look, we just stopped a major invasion. In three days, they'd have been across the border with this stuff. Why us? Because nobody else could have pulled it off. You pissed about the cover story. I knew I couldn't get you in here without it. So what story did you hand to Hopper? Look, we've been looking for this place for months. My men were in that chopper when it got hit. Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men, and he disappeared. He didn't disappear. He was skinned alive. And my orders were to get somebody and who could crack these bastards. So he cooked up a story and dropped the six of us in a meat grinder. What happened to you, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. I woke up. Why don't you? I always like that line. You threw the six of us into a meat grinder. <laughs> Betrayal from the CIA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Now, so now they're. It doesn't see, appear like they should have even been messing around here at all. And now they're stuck because of this firefight that they created. So the chopper can't even come land there because whatever insurgent forces are like on onto that location. So they got to head up in into the mountains. But then something, two things happen. One, there's this scorpion crawling on on Dylan's uh, shoulder. And they, they do a good job of giving him like a hard time throughout the thing, always giving him little jabs. Ventura spits tobacco on his boot. Kind of, he's the odd man out here in this in this little group. But he's not the odd man out in terms of being ripped. My God, Carl Weathers in this film is... As good as he looks as Apollo Creed. 1% body fat? Like, my Lord. I know, yeah. God bless you, Carl Weathers. Yeah, this is, yeah, I think two years post. The drugs were really good in 1987, I I can't imagine. You you still have to do a good amount of working out, but yeah, the the, the steroids certainly help out. Yeah, and if you ever have doubts, watch Rocky Three and 
it is clear as the day that the drugs have improved tremendously. Well, the, the transformation of Stallone from Rocky to where he's still kind of a bit puffy, but like bulk. Doughboy to lethal God. Well, it's it's the difference too between First Blood and Rambo. For Rambo First yeah. Blood Part Two is like I think Stallone's like 05 percent body fat. Like there's like nothing on him. Yeah, crazy. I can respect that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot of. You got to eat well too when you're doing that. All done in the kitchen. Exactly. So they get this scorpion off him. Bill Duke um, crushes it with his boot there, and then we get this kind of jokey exchange. But it also shows one of the predator's uh gifts or talents the other day i was going down to my girlfriend i said to her jace you got a big pussy jace you got a big pussy i can't believe she said, this why did you say using. that twice i said i didn't see it's because of the echo with <laughs> <laughs> Shane Black tells filthy, insensitive jokes. Yeah. I am out of here. They let him improvise that in one of his few acting roles. Delivered solidly the jokester of the group, I it's guess. It's a funny joke, really. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows the Predator. So the Predator's listening here, and as he hears that laugh, he's able to like vocally recreate it in his data bank because that laugh comes in later at the end of the film. Sure. And all the different lines that, that he goes down and assesses the crime scene, he's able to, to kind of pick up on everything like, anytime or, or this, this and that. And so he's able to kind of use that later on in, in, in the, in the film, which I think is pretty interesting. You know, you have the alien, the xenomorph, that thing's not incapable of talking. That thing doesn't even have eyes. If you ask me, and right. here you have a more, I think a more intelligent being, uh, who's got a wide assortment of tools at his disposal. And that's just one of them. And I think the thing about recording that voice mm -hmm. makes him have an ominous laugh, which we like with villains, yeah. just for general villainy. Mm -hmm. But it also is a taunting-like ability. Oh, yeah. He knows he's better than who he's hunting. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take this guy's laugh, and I'm going to use it against you just to stick it to you a little bit before I finish you off. Mm -hmm. So, again, we are establishing superiority of the predator as opposed to dutch and the prey yeah again in that theme the corollary between the predator and dutch and dutch and the rebel insurrection or whatever we're calling that yeah um is just so smartly handled because it really does turn the story on itself in the idea that is it sometimes better to be the one that has more technology and equipment does that automatically make you right and i'm not trying to crusade against imperialism that's not the, at all the point here that's it just is a different almost devil's advocate like way to approach who's good and who's bad in this film i think for this middle chance so we're definitely an act two of the film right now it definitely gives the predator an advantage because now as they're oh, moving yeah. through the trees he's using that adaptive camouflage that he has he's essentially invisible it would already be hard enough to see him in the jungle. Oh yeah, with all the the, the trees and and all that and the foliage. But he's got like this adaptive, very like the new Invisible Man. <laughs> like that's how I imagine that working. Mm -hmm. um, these all these just different little cameras there. He's you can't even see him. He's just a visage within within the vines. And then we get uh, the first attack. Yeah, get get Shane Black out of this film. But we we kind of get this element here. Oh, son of a 
couple elements in that scene that I always really like. I love that. I love how it's shot. It's shot from his perspective as this image is coming towards him. And then it cuts to a shot of the thermal of, of Black's face. And then we see like a quick swipe. And then we just see the blood go on to Anna. It just like covers her. And then we see it, him drag drag him off into the thing. So now he, this is one of his weapons, this two-pronged blade thing. We see the adaptive camo. And yeah, he just he just comes up, takes him, and just drags drags him off, and it's, it's just, and disembowels him like like a, li- a little up the way because he just he just wants the head. <laughs> so the Wolverine like claws the ability to blend into the environment, the recording capabilities, and then he came in a spaceship. <clears throat> I don't think we've even seen any of the artillery that he's equipped with yet. If I'm mistaken, yeah, that's coming up. I haven't seen him shoot mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. This is a badass that you're up against. Yeah. Okay, so this is important. We've talked a lot about Superman, okay, over the years, mm-hmm. and I think we, both, we haven't done a Superman. Oh yeah, we did. We did Batman versus Superman. Yeah, yeah. Even if off mic, we've talked about it. Yeah. I think both of our problem with Superman is he's just so superior. It's very hard to believe that anyone could pose a significant threat. And if it's a stupid green rock, mm-hmm. like you're back to sort of bordering on preposterous, maybe absurd. That works poorly with your good guy. Mm -hmm. That's why we like Batman better. Forces of the night, little boy in yellow hot pants, (laughs) you know, regret from your parents, all that. Like all of that creates buy-in. Yeah. Superman, for all of his great traits and iconic pieces of Americanism, He's always faster. He's always stronger. He can fly. He can freeze you with his breasts. He can melt you with his eyes. Freeze you with his breast. I, that's freeze what I thought with, I heard. <laughs> freeze you with his breath. Okay. Melt you with his eyes. Like, I go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Nobody stands a chance, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay, so let's flip it now. And if you give your protag- I'm sorry, your antagonist those traits, it plays better because the obstacle is greater. Now, oh, yeah. it can't be so vast that it's Mother Nature and her forces of weather against mankind. Yeah. But here's the other piece of this that's important. Mm-hmm. We watch him at this point bleed. Yeah. The fact that he bleeds means you can get to him. Now, the Xenomorph did it really well. It was acid blood, but mm-hmm. at least it will bleed. <clears throat> yep. So you've got at least a crack in the fissure yeah. of impenetrability. Yeah. So, like, again, this movie is on a screenwriting or written level so, so smart with the little things they weave in gently and subtly into the plot. We should look up what Jim and John Thomas also also wrote because I'm not, I'm not familiar with too much of the, the rest of their filmography. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about the look of the Predator so... Earlier this week on Instagram, I posted not only the Dark Horse iteration, but what they actually made was the first design was done with the hopes of having John claude Van Damme play it. And he looks, Matt, you saw the pictures and you've seen them before. Doesn't he look kind of like almost a little insect-like to you? Like with the, the yellow eyes, more bug-like? Cockroachy. Yeah, cockroachy. That's good. Yep. So I guess the design wasn't working, but then also when they... 
pitted him up against like Carl Weathers and Ventura and Schwarzenegger. I didn't know this. John Claude Van Damme's only five nine. I'm taller than John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. So physically imposing, like it 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 wasn't. It, he didn't have that presence. He was more skinny, not as dominating to someone like Schwarzenegger. So enter um, character actor Kevin Peter Hall, seven two. And then I think this is, maybe I'll just let the cat out of the bag. This is probably my master distiller of this film. They bring in Stan Winston yeah. to come fix the design of this creature with a little help from, so this is crazy. So him and James Cameron, they he had just designed the Alien Queen for Aliens the year prior while they're like deep into production on this film. And him and Cameron are like on a plane. I think they're doing press for Aliens and Cameron is like, what are you working on? There's this uh, this new Fox property, Predator, and they want me to design a thing. And Cameron said, always wanted to see a creature that had mandibles, like yeah. pincers. And he's like, oh, okay. So he kind of added that to the the drawing. Man, you can say what you want about James Cameron and whatever Avatar is and isn't. Man, that's probably one of the smartest men working in Hollywood, just conceptually, right? From like a filmmaking standpoint. Yes. Uh, Concept wise, and like the types of films he, I and mean, I like most of his early his early stuff, but the guy knows how to make a movie, and he he knows how to add stuff in there. So that just little addition, I think, because when the predator demasks, and we'll, we'll get to that scene, it is that that's one of my favorite sequences of the film. So Stan Winston came in, and they give this thing almost kind of like these dreadlocks and the armament and the weapons, and he becomes more hunter, uh, less kind of alien to me, if that makes sense. I dig the design of this of this creature. Other than <laughs> even when his his mouth, gosh, and all these aliens we talked about with ET and alien that gets so sexual. But like even like the orifice of the predator is very like Shane Black girlfriend jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it at that. Let's just leave it at that. That's exactly what it is. Right. And I don't know how that always sneaks into these designs, but yeah, it makes for a, a very terrifying, uh, formidable opponent. What do you got there on? The Thomases. Predator 2, Wild Wild West, Mission to Mars, Executive Decision, Behind Enemy Lines. I like Executive Decision. Wild Wild West for what it isn't also sort of is in the space of finding a way to weave in some pretty cool sci-fi. Um yeah. Interesting. That's just that's just James. I don't know about the brother, but like so they there's plenty of stuff there that they worked on. Well, this kind of they, they got the idea from a joke because I guess after Rocky 4, everyone was joking about, well, what's Rocky going to fight next? An alien? Like what's more left for him to do? And they kind of were like, what if we took a specimen like a Rocky and pit him up against like a formidable alien? So it started as a joke, like just that and then, and then that turned into Hunter and then it evolved into Predator. Interesting. Yeah. Then you get producers like Joel Silver involved and this and that, and he he's hot off of Lethal Weapon at around this time. I think that's later the next month or though it had already come out the month prior to Predator. So it's just something about, and I forgot to mention this when you talked about that communist compound raid, whatever that is. There's something about, and it's it's just gone today, and there, there's no getting it back. Maybe John Wick comes pretty close. There's just something about 80s action on screen. Yeah. Blood squibs, explosions, this gun sound effects, whether it's Die Hard, Robocop, Predator, Lethal Weapon, Commando, 
there's just something about those films that just it's nostalgic, but like they did it really good in that decade. Like they, it was the, they just decided to like just go nuts in that one. I think it's because we don't see that hero anymore. You, John Wick is close, mm-hmm. but that's essentially the same hero just birthed again in another era. But let me, so let me ask you a question because I think this furthers that point. Okay, what's more impressive in this movie? Okay, Arnold's guns. <laughs> Or the artillery of guns. Man, yeah. See, the gun ends up being an extension of a very hyper-masculine type of hero yeah. that is not prevalent anymore. Yeah. And I think it plays well in certain instances, and I don't know if those instances are as warmly or socially accepted as they were then compared to now. Well, I guess I guess you're, you're approaching it more from a characterization standpoint and I'm approaching it more from a production standpoint because honest to God, I yeah. think the PG 13 films nowadays, whether that's a Marvel film are honestly have more casualties than R rated films. Mm. It's just cartoonish in the way violence is done, whether that be CGI or the lack of stunt workers, like the stunt man doubling for Arnold in this one, when he did the waterfall stunt, he oh like blew out his knee when he landed. I'm sure. Yeah. Like it, it, it just the object. I'm going to use a big word here: verisimilitude, like the appearance of truth. It just in the '80s, it just looks better. Now it, it's still there, but it, it doesn't seem like I said. John Wick comes close. Like those are really good stunt choreographed sequences in that trilogy of films. Go listen to that cast. But I, I, I'm hard pressed to find like an, another one, and maybe what stuff The Rock does. But even that's has is pretty CGI heavy. Whether that's skyscraper or some of those films he does. Okay, so take Jumanji. Yeah, it's cartoony. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ugh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Steven Seagal, even for what he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ralph Macchio to a certain <laughs> point in the Karate Kid. <laughs> All of those heroes, yeah. and there's other ones that I'm just, I'm, I'm sure I'm not remembering right mm-hmm. now. Jean-Claude Van Damme, any of the Bloodsport stuff. Those Bloodsport movies are badass. I'm not a big Van Damme guy. I'm not either, but that first Bloodsport is freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a lineage to a past that goes all the way back to like Bruce Lee. Oh, the legend. Which, by the way, B Water is atrocious for anyone out there. <laughs> it's absolutely how ESPN could make a boring show about Bruce Lee. I'm not going to get into it, but that sucks. Okay. Sucks. Yeah. Shame on you. you. Just watch any of the other documentaries that are on, like, The Inner of the Dragon. Like, there's some good stuff on there about him. No, but Bruce Lee's physical and control and violence and philosophy and training and fitness. And that show is none of that. Oh, it's awful maddeningly awful okay. anyway bruce lee yeah big fists big punches shirtless blood like beautiful choreographed violence now he might have been like the first like that i know of mm-hmm. this is different this isn't quite as choreographed this is more raw yeah and more um obtuse in a way it's not as fine good word okay yeah but it's the same Look at that now. Your your heroes in the last ten years, fucking Hunger Games, okay, which I love, but that's like a rip off of the Running Man. Yeah, Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter just fine, but not muscles and brawn. 
Um, and I like Harry Potter just fine, but it's a different kind of like even the Lord of the Rings is Harry Potter, but done in a masculine, uh, put aggressive way. It's just a different mindset. Better put Marvel in there too. Okay, let's do it. Everything you just listed, though, and I think this is also the crux of the problem. You listed Kurt Russell, Schwarzenegger, Stallone. All those guys starred in films that were speculation screenplays like this one. You oh. listed five intellectual properties right there. Well said. I think we've just gotten lazy, like in in terms of of making films. Like to me, this isn't a lazy made. This is this is a very well made film. And it's shown in its action and its antagonist and its protagonist. It brings up, an, you're, that's a great point. Yeah. It brings up an interesting one though for me with Marvel. All of that stuff was spec IP property once upon a time. Yeah. Birthed in an era that was akin to that Bruce Lee sort of style, that that very aggressive brawny action. It's too bad. It's weird that it's moved to this. It's too bad that, you know, Comic book film ideas. We'll get back on to talking about Predator after this little tangent. Oh, this is important. Yeah. That they couldn't figure that out earlier, like in the 70s, like around the time of Donner's Superman. Because had Marvel been able to figure that out and we had like Marvel films coming out in that era, they might have echoed a little bit of this type of film. Mm -hmm. Damn. Man, maybe James Cameron's Spider-Man might have been amazing. (laughs) You know, when you said that earlier, it made me think, God, that's also, he didn't even mention Spider-Man, but that was... I would, Another, like visually, how would that have looked for him? You know, because it would have been uh, like awesome. Yeah, because that's the one thing about Cameron is whenever he comes out with a new thing, there's something visually in there that we haven't seen ever. And look, even in a romance like Titanic, yeah. it looks great. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse, get on the horn with that screenplay. I'd like to see that adapted. Yeah, properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Properly. Interesting, but that's just this. I just the state. Eighty seven rocked, man. You had RoboCop, and like RoboCop's just this hard hitting, violent social commentary film. Like mm-hmm. it's nuts. Mm-hmm. The next year after this, you get Die Hard, maybe the best action film ever made. Put your lethal weapon stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. mention Mel Gibson. I forgot. How could I forget Mel Gibson? Yeah, yeah. Mad Max, Lethal Weapon, right. Spec, all of it, all of it. Really, is it just- other than Conan? Well, now might as well have been spec. No one was reading Conan. <laughs> no one was reading Conan. Yeah. Is it just, uh, it's laziness, like you said also, but is it fear of not having a built-in audience and just not wanting to dump $120 million into something that might gross you 50 I also think Hollywood's gotten away from, other than like Clooney and like Tom Cruise has this power as well, the idea of the movie star. And in the 80s, you could take a chance on a film like Predator, because you have Arnold's name above Predator. Banking on the star. Yeah, right. Stallone. Not Bruce Willis, though, so I don't know. Die Hard's an anomaly. Because, well, especially at that time, yeah. Because he's not, and he's not the prototypical, like, action guy like these guys. He's he's fit, but he's, like, kind of flabby. Die Hard would be an amazing conversation to have on this show one of these days. But, yeah, like, you could make these film ideas just because based on the actor that was playing him, it was just different. I don't know. Yeah, it's, we could keep going. We could. It's a fun conversation to have. Yeah, it's, what <laughs> happened? And it's not, I'm not even trying to make the case that it's a, an abject failure of Hollywood. There's plenty of heroes that are not that, that I still like. Like, I actually really do like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah. When did that become such a tough sell for audiences, and it might simply be, I'm not taking my daughter in 1987 to go see Predator because it's just too violent, and it's the necessitate 
of making money in film because families are four tickets, not just you and no, me. No, that's two true. tickets. It's totally a business. And it might just be s- as simple as that. Mm-hmm. That's why because, we got to bring Star Wars back. Is why we got to bring all this other stuff back. Okay, but like, I, oh, we'll, get, we'll get back to the movie, I promise, here in just a minute. But okay. like, you just brought it up and I think you just nailed it. Yeah. We need to bring <clears throat> Star Wars back. And they did. And it's the Mandalorian and it's cute baby Yoda. So everyone in the family can enjoy it. This is a totally different tangent, but th- th- it's also Disney. You know what I mean? It's cuter. Right. It, there's a quota there with that company. Marvel, like, I know Warner Brothers ain't making great DC films, but their stuff is a little edgier than stuff Marvel tends to turn out. Not a little, a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a totally different philosophical conversation for another day. But, well, but it gets it, back to, like, it relates to Predator. Right. Yeah. It's the it's what makes Predator work if it works for you. Yeah. Well, that was that was quite the tangent on me just saying I like how they did the action in the compound sequence. Sometimes that happens. That was good. Yeah. Excellent. Good job. So, yeah, excellent. Jesse Ventura Blaine is dispatched. That's the first time we see his like cannon gun there. Shoots a big hole in him. Mm. And then they come and just make mincemeat of the of the jungle foliage, literally just shooting at nothing. You said that would have had to have been a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah, just just shoot and just go crazy oh, at, yeah. at the at the at the environment here. But now we're just like two guys down. We got to like hole up here, and then we two guys w- down and out of ammo. Two guys down, out of ammo. We have to wait for the chopper. This thing that we can't seize uh, running from us. But now they have to make a stand. Everyone, I'm taking her back. We're out of here in five minutes. You're not going yet. Look, the rendezvous is 10 to 12 miles away from here. You think the chopper's going to wait? Dylan, we make a stand now, or there will be nobody left to go to the chopper. There is something else. When the big man was killed, you must have wanted it. Its blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then we get another great thing about the 80s, the montage of them setting up like yeah this is them just showing off muscles at this point literally pulling a tree bending a tree to like create some type of like pulley like catapult yeah catapult slingshot to like net system so they're gonna catch this thing they're gonna blow it away they're gonna bring it into their court again meet meeting brain with like trying to meet this thing on some type of level and yeah i love that sequence too when the predator is captured by the net they can't see anything in there and he just starts firing blindly at all the the foliage, and man, Poncho takes that log to the chest. Boom! Oh my god! Ouch! I think I'd rather die than just get hit by that thing. Oh yeah! Just blow my head off. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bill Duke sees this thing, Mac, and Carl Weathers, Dylan also sees it. So that they, they're kind of running running after, but we're losing guys fast. Like they're just dropping by the flies. I guess we want to get to just him and Arnold, but man, they just keep me- me- meeting a demise. What do you think of the dispatching here of Duke and Dylan? I always re- really remembered those sequences, the red dots on on his eyes that moved to his head. And then, man, Weather's getting his arm blown off and it's still like firing on the ground. What do you think of, of, of these ones here? Well, I love that Max's purpose is I'm going to avenge my fallen buddy. Blaine, yeah. So I guess they have a history together and they're pretty tight. So he's going to make that bastard pay for what he did to his friend. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of rushes in blindly. And then to make matters worse is he leaves some of his gear just on the, on the side of the hill. 
before he continues the pursuit of the predator. Yeah. And it's almost like the predator's just taunting him a little bit further or deeper into the, the web. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Carl Weathers shows up. And at this point, I don't know if anybody's really pulling for Carl Weathers anymore. Like he's a necessary element in this and that he kind of helps round out the team as the betrayer, the Judas, if you will. But also, you know, they need they need the strength and the manpower. But that sequence when Bill Duke has spotted Mac, has spotted the Predator half a mile away or whatever in the trees, and you can see his reflective camouflage, and he says, I see you. Mm-hmm. And then he points it out to Carl Weathers. It almost starts to act like he, or he's almost acting like he's a little bit crazy. Yeah. Rambling. Just like whatever's like streaming. Gonna have me some fun. Mm-hmm. And all, or whatever he says as he rushes up that hill. So he's yeah. gone. And Carl Weathers kind of looks at his hand as it's sort of wrapped over his shoulder, pointing off in the distance at where the predator is. And he's looking at the finger and looking at him like, I see you. brother, you're gone. Yep. And then in that same sort of taunting way, yeah, you brought it up earlier, or we talked about earlier with the recording of the voice, the three dots on the arm that then pan to his forehead mm-hmm. is just a great big middle finger yeah. to Mac yep. saying, I'm just better. Yep. I'm going to get you. Again, back to the idea of this is sport for the Predator. He's just having a good time. I'm yep. assuming it's a he. Um, just having a good time wiping you guys out. Yeah. Harnessing my skills, sharpening my blade. Yeah, blows his head pretty much off. It's weird I didn't notice. Did you know that after he shoots him in the head, like you watch Matt kind of twitching for a little while afterwards? Yeah, that was unsettling. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. And then his skull trophy later has like a big gaping hole, hole. In it right there. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Carl Weathers, yeah, just arm blown off. And then we see the, yeah, like you said, Wolverine claws that just kind of come out. And he just, and he just picks him up, like with his, like one arm. Yeah. yeah. This thing's formidable. So then we get to Billy's death. So ask me the question again. Does <laughs> he die justly? I think he dies justly. Well, he goes out fighting. I want to see the confrontation, though. Yeah. I, 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 I always feel a bit cheated by Billy's death. We don't get to see it. I, we do see his body, though, because that's his body kind of like all bloodied later that he rips the spinal Spine cord out. out. But I would like to have seen that sequence. Like, what did that look like? Because he's got machete into He's ready to kind of go with him, and we just hear a scream. Well, other than Dutch, he's the best equipped to take him on because I think he's, how do I say this, one enough with himself yeah. to be able to channel that soul-like power into oh, a that. fighting capability. I know what you mean. It, but it also, for as much as we don't get that showdown that I want to see too, because we're going to get it with Dutch mm-hmm. and it's not Billy's film. I think he admits that he's bested and he'd rather go out. Yeah, that's true. On his terms, one with himself, not betrayed, not cowardly, strongly holding whatever that pouch is that's around his neck that is important to him. And it's been built up a little bit prior to this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not probably the the greatest death ever and not just for that character who I really like in the film. I just think that's a cool character. Oh yeah. Um but also it makes sense to me too. Like I'm not going to go out I'm not going to go out like a bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it like a man oh, yeah. and he's better than me, so at least I'm going to go out on my terms. No, oh, yeah, that's fair. But I would like to see the fight too. But yeah, I would just I want to know what the like how did that go down? 
But what's crazy about that is he kills Billy, and then, like, literally, like, two seconds later, he's on top of them in the next scene. So this predator just moving fast. Very fast. Yikes. That's scary, too. So then we get the line, the line of the film, and it was, Arnold has gone on record saying this is the favorite of all his one-liners in his entire career. So great. Yeah. I love it. Again, like there's, to me, we talked about this last week. There's no like rolling of the eyes or ever getting like tired with Schwarzenegger's delivery or his lines. Like I look forward to them every time that that they show up and this is, this is no difference here. So then he's, again, this is great. This is wounded. So now we've eliminated the firearm element with that last gun right there from, from the film, at least from, Dutch's perspective. He falls off into this man again. You know, the waterfall, yeah, stuntman blowing out is that must have hurt like hell. Just can you imagine just like going into water and like your first instinct is like, man, my knee is like inflamed. (laughs) Yeah. Crawls up to shore, plants himself into into some some like gooey mud, just exhausted. But here comes the predator. I love how the predator plops in the water, but we just see the 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 water. And then he like immediately backs up into this thing and the predator walks up on him, but can't see him because of this kind of like muddy camouflage. So the camouflage that wasn't working earlier, all this movement, this heat, the firearms, it's this kind of rudimentary one that he concocts that actually works pretty good. And this is probably the first time too, that we see the predator up close, like not camouflaged. Two things here in this scene for me. I think it gives more credence to the argument that Billy was the best equipped to fight with him because Dutch at this moment has made his peace with nature and is using it. All the technology was making it easier to be hunted by the predator because the heat signature Mm -hmm. was allowing him to use his technology and the advancements compared to where we would be technology for an advantage. So strip it down. Yep. And so, I mean, we are talking literally stripped down, mostly naked, yeah. hiding in some roots of a tree covered in mud. And I do also love that the way he puts himself in the roots of the tree is almost Christ-like. <laughs> Very, yeah. So it works mm-hmm. in some happy circumstance that just managed to get lucky. Yeah but we come to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? All this technology maybe hasn't been the best thing for me. I'll use the earth. Yeah. And then we get to spears and wood carvings and all that stuff, which we're going to talk about and bombs made from leaves. Oh, and I all love that it. other shit. It's another, it's another montage. It's, it's, it's man versus the, the, the alien right now and earth versus his technology. And Can I ask you one question though? This, it, this, yeah. this occurred to me today. Yeah. In the first montage, when they essentially take their last stand at the Alamo, okay, and we've seen them all with their rippling muscles pulling branches over and all that, yeah, are we a little bit shortchanged in that that the predator doesn't show up other than in that net to see exactly what they had con- constructed? I mean, I know you get the tree killing uh, Pablo or Poncho or whatever the yeah. hell his name is, but like it occurred to me, like, damn, that was about seven eight minutes of watching that for no payoff. Yeah, yeah. Did that? Yeah, no. I am I, if, am I, I being a baby here? I don't know if it bothers me, but I think what it shows is the predator, the best laid plans go to waste. 
And all this work that they did was for not like all these trip wires and everything. And none, none of it worked. He doesn't even show up. He landed on top of them versus coming to them. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to see what Rube Goldberg project they had come up with in that regard. But we're going to get a little bit here in, in Arnold's kind of takedown of, of this thing. Yeah, we are. So last week we, I complained a little bit about the running man really kind of falling apart in its last act of the film. This Mick Fleetwood resurgent underground movement. You're talking about Fleetwood. Mac? He's talking about just singing gypsy nonstop. Oh my gosh. Here, not the case. This last act of the film is actually my favorite part of the part of the movie. Like the yeah. final confrontation, the, like Arnold's battle cry signaling, come and get me, you bastard. And man, it's technology, it's the invisibility, it's lighting up a fire, it's covering myself in mud, it's throwing those, yeah, the spears made with whatever remains of uh of gunpowder from the from the grenades that he has to these leaf grenades that I, I and I love that scene when he's like in like some crevasse of rocks and the predator's blood's all covered in there, and then it comes behind him, and we see like the foot kind of land. He takes that thing from that he's wearing and he doesn't even have to like light a separate match. It already has matches on the top and he just strikes it on the ground and tosses it. Like that's good. That's like that's ingenuity right there. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Makes us I always love the scene too of Arnold like bending tree branches to like make this bow and arrow and then like yeah, using it to to, to pretty good effect. Like as much as he can keep this thing at bay as possible. Like you go into a fight with the predator and you always like to use the uh, saying in a fist fight with God. It's kind of like what this is. Like you just try to like hold back as much as possible. But even so at the end, Arnold's like, man, just, I don't even know if I can like fight this thing anymore. Right. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of this end finale? I w- I'm with you. I thought the running man lost itself in the third act. Mm-hmm. And for me a little bit, this movie gets a bit tedious in the second act because it's just walking. It's it's a not quite revenant-like, and that's not fair to use that. <laughs> but it's very proud of its scenery. And I love it because it's beautiful, but I wish there was a little bit more hunting and not quite so much just moving. And I think we get enough of that you do too get at the end here. The end makes up for it. I like what he builds. It's necessary. And you know what it does is when you show the montage of making the bow over your shoulders and pulling down this branch is it creates a sense of intrigue in the viewer because I want to see after you bent the tree branch exactly how you're going to use it. Yes. And I'm even kind of even interested in how you made vine ropes. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't do that, but maybe I could if I tried. No. I'll, and I'll, I want to know how he got fire to go in the middle of a rainforest. And I'd all pro- of that is just more intrigue. I probably would have died on the the helicopter uh, rappelling down in. I probably that would probably work. It's <laughs> such a cool juxtaposition too to see the predator even when he takes off his armor, but prior to taking off his armor that is air compressed with some weird version of screws. <sighs> That's such an interesting <sighs> unmasking the reveal of who I really am as sort of an honorable way to take on the final fight. Are with, we th- are we there now? No, no. Okay, we will just meant, let me say one thing. Arnold covered shirtless in mud with sticks that have been forged into arrows and branches that are covering and like creating an environment oh, yeah. that is weaponized versus the artificial environment that is technology. Mm-hmm. That is, it's such a cool showdown. I've got mud, you've got armor. They both work as armor, 
but now you can't see me more because it's just it's just genius. Yeah, well, it, uh, after I love it. any amount of bullet or gun, it doesn't matter how big your gun is or whatnot, like it's not enough to take down this thing. And I think he realizes that in the mud in his Christ position that I have to kind of be more brainy about how I'm going to take this thing down. And then he that's how he comes up with these pretty cool weapons. This is a weird metaphor, but let me give it to you. Familiar, we talked about MTV a little bit when we were watching this mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with all of the MTV unplugged stuff that they did? Yeah. I, I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. I liked them enough for a while, but mostly no. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z, R.E.M., mm-hmm. all of the acts that they stripped down on Unplugged yeah. were <clears throat> must-see TV for me. And it, this it, is... They were good. Oh, they're, because they're good. Have you ever heard the... Allison Chains' Unplugged yes. is really good. Yes. And so is uh, Pearl Jam's. There wasn't a bad one. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even like Jay-Z, but that one is a, a masterpiece. Yeah. This is Arnold Unplugged yep. versus yeah. Hyperplugged. Yeah. And it just, it fits a, maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe I'm just waxing poetic about nostalgia. Yeah. That's part of film. Yeah. And that's why I love this final act so much. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura's MTV shirt takes me back to that place. And like 87 is a little bit too early for Unplugged, but not much. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first episode is like 89, 90, somewhere it's getting there. there. We're close. Yeah, man, it's just such an ingenious way to fight. If you can't out technology, the thing that is an opposition, go the other way. Mm-hmm. It's just really smart writing. Yeah. And we hadn't seen it. And I think what, what's also really mud? selling your armor's from, mud, Jesse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Come on. That's your camo. Beautiful. What's also helping me too is just how dominating Kevin Peter Hall is in this costume. Like, I didn't know he was 7'2 seven two, seven two. Two until you said that today. I did a little bit of reading on him because he played the Predator again in, in part two. And yeah, pretty tragic, actually. Like he contracted HIV from a blood transfusion oh. and died of uh, AIDS-related pneumonia just like a couple, of, like 1992. That so sucks. Not too long after this. So yeah, yeah. Just I think just a per- when you talk about Arnold, the body, Mr. Olympia... Mr. Universe, you got to put something up against that. And I think they found that in this, in this film, like to me, Arnold going up against Richard Dawson is just like a joke. You know what I mean? Right here. It's not, I feel actually scared for Arnold once the predator demasks in this scene. I love that growl. It's almost alligator-like, but like something otherworldly, too. Yeah. Elephant vaginal alligator is what that <laughs> looks like. The The mandibles that you talked about. Yes. I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly about that. We talked a lot about an alien. Yeah. The and and what she said admitted like this is a kind of a, der- a derivation of female genitalia. The alien podcast is essentially a sex education lecture. <laughs> okay, so I think that's fascinating to do that with that body part. Yeah, and like in the basic structure of life, like what that does, mm-hmm. and then when you bastardize it and put it on a bad guy. Yeah, 
and make it horrifying. Mm -hmm. It just creates a great villain. And you said it. I mean, I'm with you. It it opens up like four different flaps, man. (laughs) And I'm not even worried about his mouth. I should be. I'm more worried about his Wolverine claws. But man, if I get past those, look at that mouth. Is he like, well, look at this. This thing is scary. Go look on Instagram this week with the three predator pictures. Cause this was, I posted the one of him, but like, look, look, look at the middle of that. Jesse, you don't, I, yeah, brother, you're preaching to the choir. I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but a great design. This is, just, and then, and then we're in the age of animatronics where just everything operates with like remote control, like RC controllers. So each mandible is controlled by like a different, like, like mechanism. Like it's great how this thing just operates to like open up and close and like have a personality. Kevin Peter Hall. Yeah. I love that bit when he kind of like squats down a little bit and puts his arms out, like, like bring it on. He just looks terrifying. And I don't think I've ever seen this in any other Schwarzenegger film before or since, but like Arnold, he hits him with that two by four, their piece of log says bad idea, gets backhanded by the predator, goes flying like 10 feet and literally says, I'm out of here. He's like, run, I'm running. Uh, he's running away. He's not going to fight this thing. Like when has Schwarzenegger ever done that in, in a film? Yeah, well said. I don't know. He's I can't ba- think he's of He's not time. backing off of Sinbad and Jingle all the way. <laughs> no. Yeah, so, the, so you have a very, yeah, I, I thought you'd like that. You have a very physically imposing villain here. And yeah, he's just beckoning you. And, and he even says, you remember that scene in Winter Soldier where he's fighting George St. Pierre? Um, Backtrack. Backtrack. Back, 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 yeah. And he says, are you more than the shield? And he puts the shield away and still just kicks his ass. Yeah. That's this. This is the predator's like, I don't need my thermal vision. I'm going to take my mask off and see red. But I'm still going to beat the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah. So it's like Arnold's like last like plea is, this has always kind of cracked me up too. So he's like in that valley where he made this like home alone trap. And he, the predator finds like the, the, the leaves that fall and there's like those spikes there and he's like do it come on kill me i'm here kill me what if the predator did like decide to go kill him with like his like whole plan of backfired like because he kind of needed him to go the other way he did yeah because if you think about the jaws of those little wood spikes yeah i'm not really sure that would do it mm-hmm. they just kind of stick him a little yeah, bit yeah just poke him yeah. I always wonder, I was like, man, what if like the predator was like, no, I'm going to come get you this way. Like, I think Arnold's dead, but like, good thing he goes, cause he, th- the predator thinks he's been outwitted. I ain't going to go that way. You're going to trap me. But the real traps like over here. So that's interesting too, because this is the first time I think we've seen Arnold outsmart his opposition in this film. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the right way to go. It works and I don't have a complaint, but I don't, I'm I'm not sure quite what to make of that, but I do know this: that that tree falling on the predator, it's curtains, man. Yeah, it like pretzels him. <laughs> and I love that they. I mean, he kind of kicks it off, and we see what's left with his glowing blood. I'm so glad that they didn't do the thing that was even this tree that weighs two thousand pounds falling directly on my head can't because then it would would have got absurd. They let that he's got, be. He's got limits. Right. Yeah. He's got well said. He's mm-hmm. got limits. Yeah, that's good. Yep. So yeah, he's about to smash him with the rock and they have a nice exchange. What the hell are you? And we see the vocal thing come back as he just kind of repeats it back to him. What the hell are you? What the hell are you? And then we we always and then we get his little kind of arm gauntlet 
opens up and I, I love it. He kind of types in whatever kind of obviously it just sounds like a bomb. Mm-hmm. And it's not until we get Billy's laugh, which as Arnold runs more, it gets less predator like and more Billy like because mm-hmm. it's almost human like when he's like running away. Yeah. Then we get that just like crazy explosion as mushroom cloud laced explosion of just viscerating the predator in the landscape. I love how there's almost like a pre implosion and then the emission of sparks before there's the explosion. It's almost like it sucks in. You see the sparks of kinetic possibility coursing through the trees Mm -hmm. and then boom. Big time. And I guess Arnold jumps behind a cliff just in time to save himself (laughs) from that. Just finds a log. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this thing explodes. It almost kind of like takes out the helicopter, the chopper that's coming to get him. And they see the mushroom cloud. And I always, I'm always left with this kind of leaving predator as we get that shot of Arnold through the the ashy dust, covered in ash, mud, dirt, whatever, j- just looking exhausted. And then we get to the chopper, and the final shot, second final shot, is just him kind of like laid back. And he just looks so defeated. Like, think, when have you ever seen Arnold look like that? Like, at the end of a film. Not shown that way often. Ever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just look like totally, like, he gave it his all. Thank God he beat him, but... Barely. Yeah, barely, like... And then we're off. We're off. And then the... I, I love this. The end credit sequence, repeating, a good cast is worth repeating. It's like the sitcom end credits, like... Winking, Sergeant Rock, here's my flask. Yeah. Carl Weather's going to catch a gun and look at me. I know. <laughs> what is this? Is this Who's the Boss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it always cracks me up, but I like when end credits do this. Like, I would love to see, like, the most, hor- like, man, Hereditary could have had fun with this. Like, you watch a film like that and you're just so traumatized. And then you cut to your end credits and it's just like this, like, Almost like a blooper reel or just like repeating the cast, but they're having fun with it. And you see the levity in acting Yeah, to kind of balance horror and comedy. I always thought that'd be pretty good, but I I love, I love it. It's, I think Shane Black has been trying to make a Sergeant Rock film for a very long time, actually. Yeah, you're right. That's been talked about and greenlit a couple times too. Yeah. That and Doc Savage is the other one that he's maybe making with the rock. Like the rock's already playing him, but like, who knows when we'll see that. Um, real quick, yeah. any word on Black Adam? Where's that at? Is that postponed indefinitely? I don't know. Like the whole state, well, the whole state of just DC in general is interesting. So we talked off mic last week about Snyder's Justice League on HBO. I'm going to have to subscribe to HBO Max now so I can watch whatever that is. 2021 is going to be weird because you're going to have the return of Ben Affleck's Batman. You're reintroducing a Robert Pattinson Batman later that October. Wait, Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman? Well, in the Justice, that Snyder cut. Oh. And the rumors at HBO Max are are that they want to do his Batman film that had Deathstroke, Joe Mangiliano, and Jared Letters. So I'm like, you're going to have two competing Batman ideas going on at the same time. And then here's the other thing. I guess the Matt Reeves Batman has said that they're going to introduce a Joker at some point in their trilogy and that they're currently looking at casting the next Joker. I'm like, you're going to have another another Joker? So like four. You just had another one last year. Why can't you use him? Right. Right. 
Yeah, what they're doing is questionable. So to answer your question the long way, Black Adam, who knows? Like, that's just such a long gestating period with... Because I thought that was in production before things got shut down. Yeah, talking. The Rock's interesting because The Rock's committed to a lot of films that... Well, you brought it up earlier. You said you, in the 1980s, could put a few names on a poster and it was bankable. Oh, he's definitely He's got to be one of the ones that's closest to that. I think he's like the one today. Once upon a time, it was Will Ferrell, and once upon a, it was Will Smith as well. But it's oh. it's got to be The Rock today. Oh, definitely, yeah. With just these types of like action films, because he's committed to the Big Trouble in Little China remake, Jungle Cruise, whenever that comes out, Jungle Cruise, uh, shit, or Black Adam, Doc Savage. Like he's got a lot of stuff like just in the pipe that is at various stages of production right now. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, I have, um, oh, let's, I want to talk numbers with you. Okay. Predator budget of, let me pull it up here real quick. 15 million, $98 million gross worldwide. Not bad. I think predator is something that also has found its legs after the fact as well, which is nice. Predator two in 1990, Danny Glover predators, the Predator. 2009 with Adrian Brody. Man, what a forgettable film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, The Predator. Shane Black returning to the franchise, writing and directing. Terrible. Yeah, like I can't even... It's not in my box set, thankfully, because I don't even know if I could like watch that film again. I made it through about 25 minutes last night. E. Trooper. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, so I have some questions for you. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite tasting note of Predator? Probably Arnold's construction of that Alamo-like sequence. I love that, whether it's done in Rambo in the cave or any of the training sequences in the Rocky films. Mm -hmm. That montage, The Godfather, The Graduate, I just like a really good montage. I think it builds up an interest in me that usually is done quickly and then paid off in a very agreeable manner if the director knows what they're doing and this does like everything that he builds in that you see play out you understand why he made the particular type of spears with the explosive tips that he did and why like it just it all works Mm -hmm. that's my favorite part of the film it's actually not even the blow by blow fight between him and the predator it's the construction of your last stand your alamo gotcha love it nice I'll pick the blow by blow kind of fight with the predator because yeah, it's exciting. It's technology versus nature. It's man versus alien. It's Arnold meeting his most opposing foe. I think in a film T 1000 is a pretty, pretty good opponent for him too. little skinny Robert Patrick, Mm -hmm. but no, yeah, this is something else entirely. I love the final, like I said, the final third of this film is it's awesome for me. I love it. It's, Mm -hmm. It, it, it's crazy because yeah, last week it, it it killed it for me. Like it, Running Man just dies in the, the Running Man game, right? Uh, but here, love it. Oh, this is my my favorite part of the film. What's your? Oh my god! I need to take a shot of this Breckenridge bourbon for what I just saw. The plur the poorly crafted strategy to rescue those that have been abducted by. Communist Insurrection Incorporated. <laughs> it's the worst devised plan ever. And they just go in there and just blow that little. 
hut village yeah. to hell. Yeah. There's action films yeah. that the final sequence in like a military movie is that don't don't even have that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not even what our film is about. Mm-hmm. It's well, there's even one of those guys, one of the hostages get like gets shot in the head, like right before they move in. And in case you just can't quite figure it out, there's enough slow motion there to see you watch the guy take 50 bullets. Very Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Very Sam Peckinpah. I'm telling you, blood squibs, like yeah. in the 80s, it rocked. Like Robocop's the king of the blood squib. But yeah, there, there's some good ones in this film too. And then just the terrible lookouts that are protecting the village. <laughs> These guys are so oh, unaware yeah, of it. Yeah. This <laughs> guy's in the tree, like just, you know, daydreaming about what <laughs> this is so bad. This guy gets distracted by Bill Duke's bird. <laughs> and he gets like knifed in the throat. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they have terrible lookouts. Mine's the demise of Mac and Dylan, Bill Duke and Carl Weathers, like brutal. Mm-hmm. They just the, the head explosion and the arm amputation. There, there was something like when I finally came across gore on film, the one this is gonna be crazy because I don't even know if this movie's really good. It could go in a shit movie cast, but it's Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in Deep Blue Sea where Stellan Skarsgård gets his arm bitten off. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen anything that gruesome on film before. And that kind of almost traumatized me a little bit. And and the same instance in Carl Weathers arm getting blown off, like and that it's still shooting on the ground. Like that's, that's crazy. It was crazy to me. So that movie has one of the greatest scenes of all time in it. Which one? The Sam Jackson. Oh my God. Rally, rally the tree. <laughs> Only to get eaten. Oh my God. That's so good. That movie's bananas. <laughs> I like it. You do you? Sure do. Yeah, like it's, it's fun. Yeah. But like, it's like the plot is preposterous. <laughs> sure. It's crazy. Smart sharks. <laughs> Smart sharks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mine. Yeah. The, the, the killing of those two guys has been like always like really intense for me. Good. Who's the master distiller on the, I almost said the predator, predator. I think it's Arnold. I think this is his best work. Yeah. Um, It could be made with another action hero, I think capably, but this is so far beyond what a lot of his other stuff is for me, including last week. Um, Whatever prowess he came to as an actor, I think it's really materializes strongly in this film. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're letting him be him. Yeah. Um, him shirtless with plenty of time put in the gym and jungles and blood and sweat and a formidable opponent that's interesting to look at. You have to have a large presence on screen, and he's that. This is his best work for me, and it's not even close. Nice. Excellent. Well, mine, I let the cat out of the bag earlier. It's, it's Dan Winston. I think they brought... When you have such effects-heavy films like this, I think a lot of... I think they could be made or broken in how your thing looks. And I think part of the success of this film is the predator looks cool when he's masked, when he's unmasked, the weapons he has, the stature seven, two that, that he imposes and that's Winston. And, and he has a track record of just a lot of them. And we're going to talk about that here coming up. Just amazing creature designs that are legendary. The T-800 Terminator, Alien Queen, this. Like, it's it's incredible. Like, I think, honestly, had they gone with the John claude look insect, we'd be talking a lot differently about this film. Right. A lot differently. So I think, yeah, I think he, think he saved it for the better. 
Yes. An, an integral part of the film. Arnold's amazing. I think the script's pretty good, too. John McTiernan's directing. We didn't talk a lot about him, but we'll, we'll talk about him during Die Hard because that man's a piece of work. You said, like, maybe you said last week or maybe off mic that we should get McTiernan and Friedkin in a room together so they could just like berate each other and just not give a shit for like an hour. Must listen to interview. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. How are you going to rate and grade Predator? We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. What are you going with? Mm. <laughs> it's not single barrel for me. Um, it just because that like as unique as it is, it also kind of isn't for me in a way we'd seen aliens before. My one qualm with this film is there's about a 25 minute period in the second act that kind of revolves around that spot that I told you where they build that Alamo mm-hmm. and then don't do anything. And we're just sort of watching them traipse about in the jungle and the predator isn't really there and hasn't been revealed. And I know he's stalking them, but it's just a whole lot of waiting. That's going to keep it from being top shelf for me, but it's going to be, it's going to be call plus. Um, I can't quite get it there. It's close, but that 25 minutes is, is not great for me. Mm-hmm. So call plus it's a terrific film. I loved it. The first act is good. The MacGuffin's good. The performance <laughs> the is good. good. The predator's awesome. Arnold's awesome. The ending sequence is fantastic, Yeah, but there is 30 minutes. And I, I meant to have you like, it's literally from like the 30 minute mark. I know what you're talking probably about. Probably till about the 60, maybe 55, 60 minute mark. That is a bit revenant sloggy. And that's going to keep it from It's in between Shane Black. Yeah. It's in between Shane Black getting killed and the Predator getting caught in that net where there's just like so much like Bill Duke fighting a, a pig, a wild boar. Yeah. And then him talking to the moon. Is, yeah, there's a lot of dead space in there where. And it, and it was avoidable because there's enough of a cast that they could have put a few other stalking kind of deaths in there. Yeah, because then they, they kill everyone, not like Billy, Poncho, like really quick. So coming that's. Up. A, that's not nitpicky. That's kind of a, a mistake. So okay. call plus. Excellent. Well, I'm going to give it single barrel and here's my qualifier for giving it that rating. This film's great. Arnold's amazing. One of his best works out there. Amazing creature design. Like it, it just always stands out to me in his filmography. The predator is a cool character. The hunter hunting in environments and terrain and for whatever godforsaken reason, no one's been able to figure out how to do this idea again good. Yeah. Whether that's Predator 2 or Predators or The Predator or Alien versus Predator or any of the video games or the crossovers. I don't think it's ever been as good as it has in this film. So I have to qualify it as being within its franchise. It's wholly unique because it's almost like lightning in a bottle at that point where everything else is such palatable trash, but this is really good. Okay. Like really good. So I can totally see why people would be like, man, I want to see that predator fight the alien and Hey, I'm all here for it, but man, make the story interesting and don't make it PG 13. My God. Right. Paul W S Anderson. Yeah. Speaking of which you got to buy that event horizon blu-ray from scream factory i love event horizon maybe they'll find a way to incorporate a lot of that deleted footage back mm-hmm. into the film mm-hmm. 
So yeah, single barrel. Uh, I don't even think we'd ever get a Predator film as good as this one as long as we both shall live. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> so excellent. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers to Predator. Cheers to Arnold. Cheers to Kevin Peter Hall, Stan Winston, and everyone who made this film possible. That's right. So let's nightcap this thing off. snare drum it's like a march it's like the predator march mm-hmm. and then the, like the that the, the has to be like like a tuba and like a trauma like boom 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 love it ominous heavy sylvester is great i love a lot of his scores yeah castaway his work with the avengers like he's he's another one of my my, my favorites up there back to the future we talked about mm-hmm. all righty we i mentioned stan winston already our nightcap man he has such a footprint on creature design genre films so my question to you is what's your favorite of anything he's made we'll, we'll kind of leave predator off the table so except predator what's your favorite of his creations favorite number one number one probably the cybernetic skeleton terminator look with arnold t800 yep half ripped off half man half machine um it was between that mm-hmm. and then one that's wildly different. Okay. Is there a better looking penguin oh. in the Batman universe? The Vito. Than that penguin. Yes. So, I mean, it's, and those are two very, very different monsters. That's good. <sighs> the T-800, the, the, the endoskeleton look is just so iconic. Yeah. I mean, you could put that up against, and you see those, just those glaring eyes. That's all him. That's 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 Winston. That's that's great. Did I take yours? No, you didn't. Okay. I had a few honorable mentions just in case. Uh I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Alien Queen yeah. from Aliens. It's an amazing creation in that film. And it's all puppetry, you know what I mean? Like it's all animatronic. Like it's that's how they had to do it back then. I know one of the honorable mentions for you has got to be Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his effect work is good in that. And then super honorable mention. Now he directed a few films too. Mm. His first directorial, and I'm just I've been revisiting this one recently and watching all the behind the scenes stuff on it is Pumpkinhead, Lance Henriksen. So he directed that, but he didn't design the Pumpkinhead. Mm. But honorable mention to the Pumpkinhead because that guy looks cool. Awesome. That's an awesome design. Number one for me. I it almost be sinful not to have this be number one, but it's the Tyrannosaurus Rex from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Part of the success of Jurassic Park to me is it's the birth of one of the births of CGI being more prevalent in films. But the reason it works so well for me is it's a nice mix of practical and digital and the practical when up close talking about the Tyrannosaur paddock sequence when the head comes through the window against the kids. That's him, man. He put all that together. Like that's yeah. such a cool design. So yeah, I got to go with his dinosaurs from Jurassic Park, the Velociraptor, the <laughs> Triceratops. Yeah, Dilophosaurus. Yeah, all of that. They all look so good because they're tangible things that can be... Sam Neill literally goes and lays on the Triceratops and feels it breathing. Like, mm-hmm. there's some weight to that that's totally lost on me in the Jurassic World films, which are just hot garbage to me. Right. <laughs> yeah, that movie doesn't work without the dinosaurs looking as realistic as they do. Yeah, and rest in peace to... Uh, he died of of melanoma back yeah. in like 2010 mm-hmm. 
one of the last things he did do, it's probably another reason why this looks so good, is he actually helped design the Iron Man suit for the first Downey Jr. Iron Man. Yeah, the silver one. Uh, no, the, the all of them. Oh, all of them. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, effects guy for for that first one. Yeah. He had pretty pretty great career. You can actually... Three Academy Awards? Yeah, he's got a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for, I think, Aliens. I think he was nominated for Predator. Definitely won for T2. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park. There's three right there, and I think he's got another one under his belt, too. Mm-hmm. You ever see Relic, Leviathan Relic? Yeah, I like Relic. Yeah. I don't mind. Let me take that back. I like the concept of Relic. No, I, don't, no. I don't know if I like the movie. Movie's trash, but it looks good. What is that, Tom Sizemore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Relic, yeah. Excellent. And there was something else. So Stan Winston, you can actually... There's, is, didn't he do Attack the Block too? No, that's past him. Yeah. Okay. But the, the, he has such like a cadre of like students that have worked on a lot of these films as well. And you can actually, if you're into creature design effects, animatronic makeup, design, special effects. Yeah, there's a whole school, doesn't There's it? a Stan Winston school of design that you can actually attend. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Which I applaud you to go do that. That way computers don't totally replace the weight of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. There's something about designing and painting something versus pointing and clicking. Amen. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's the volume on celluloid or digital celluloid. Yeah. It just looks different. Excellent. Matt, this has been a blast talking about Predator. I hope you had fun watching it with me this morning yes. and having this discussion. Of course. You're going to have to do the same with me next week because we're going to wrap up this cask. We said it wasn't going to happen ever again, but somehow it's happening. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven is making a comeback to Rice Smile Films. No way. No way. <laughs> the Rice Smile Films starring Paul Verhoeven. Exactly. From 1990, Total Recall. I'm excited. Yeah, we did a whole thing on the best movies that were never made, and we spoke about the second version of this, and um, just Paul Verhoeven at the Verhoevenist of him. This is the himself. This is the most Verhoeveniest of like films he's made. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I'm just laying the cat out of the bag right now. This is my favorite Schwarzenegger film. Really, Total Recall. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna tell you why, but man, it has the best Arnold lines, whether it's the Cohagen stuff or. I'm just going to say it right now because I'll laugh next week, but I love that line in the film when Rachel Takatin, Melina, grabs his crotch in the nightclub and says, "You're, I see you're still bulging, Hauser. What are you feeding this thing? And he says, blondes. Blondes. <laughs> what kind of line is that? I know. Uh, there's just too many of those. Quato, the whole thing, Michael <laughs> Ironside, and then the best villain, like, Ronnie Cox, just the most despicable person ever, is Victor Co- Belos Cohagen. Revisiting our RoboCop villain. I'm so excited. To t- the, the Philip K. Dick, we can remember for you wholesales not very long. We could probably burn through that in between this episode. Okay. It's it's only like 50 or 60 pages. All right, I'll read it. Yeah, so we'll do that and talk about Total Recall. Total Recall on deck. <laughs> Total Recall on deck. Well, so cheers, man. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. I got to get going. I'm going to go try and bend a bow and arrow behind my back, but I don't think I'm going to have as much luck as Arnold did. Jesus. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get to work, buddy, because you got some weights to lift. Yeah, I got a lot of weights to lift. <laughs> I also got to eat better, too, if I want to look like that. That's amen. Excellent. We'll see you all next week. Everybody, have a great week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram 
to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to leave us a comment at Productions at gmail.com. Predator is property of 20th Century Fox, Davis Entertainment, Silver Pictures, and Lawrence Gordon Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Ha 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 